Okay, Cheryl's anointing blew out her mic, so. How many of you guys love Cheryl? Cheryl and Paul are such a gift to us in this house. And, yeah. I mean, without Jesus, we'd be lost, but, you know, without Cheryl, I don't know. She really helps. She's a GPS sometimes in the spirit that is irreplaceable. We love Cheryl. Paul is in, uh, on, in a beautiful, warm weather, so Cheryl is carrying her cross to be with us. <laughs> so she is. Just love her. How are you guys doing today? Man, I feel like a lot's going on already. Anyone else feel, like, feel that? Maybe you don't, can't put your finger on what it is, but like, do you just feel like a lot is going on already today? I mean, sometimes, so like, you know, you can say, we can just close in prayer. And then some people are like, amen, it's like so discouraging when you're up here, you know, you say it as a joke. We kind of could today. I'm going to preach the word. We have something I'm going to share in a moment. But, man, there's just something here in the atmosphere today that I just don't want to hurry into something right now. Are you guys okay with me being awkward up here? Let's just tune into Jesus. Let's just, just enjoy him right where you are right now, like right in your seat. You know, if this is new for you, this is new for us too. We're not trying to be experts. We're, we're trying to be childlike in the presence. And so sometimes we'll take risks. I know that I was really proud of Megan, one of our leaders, got up here and just kind of led us in pulling down heaven. You know, if that's new for you, you know, it's new for me too because we've never done that before. How many of you know that today is the day the Lord is making? Today is the day that he has, like he's never done this day before. And, it, and sometimes we just need to pause, press pause and kind of reset our hearts to that reality instead of like sitting in the seat we normally do, instead of kind of being, and none of these things are wrong. We just need help sometimes from the Lord to just remind us to just kind of reset our hearts wherever you're at today. If you're, if you're here, someone tell me if I need to switch mics, like give me some sort of like call sign, like caca or something. I don't know. I'm going to, like, I didn't move there, but I'll just say this. If, if, you're, if you're here today, if you hear, who's here today, and you know what? You're just tired, and you just want an encounter with Jesus. Come on, Jesus. I have great news for you. You know, we have some, we have some really good news that today is going to be your day for your encounter. Now, if you believe that, the Bible actually says you actually right now are already starting to receive that our faith takes hold of what we don't see. And sometimes we kind of have the, we get a little bit, we get a little bit fatigued with that idea that like, oh, faith needs me to go do something. And there is a big element of that in the kingdom, but faith starts just from a place of believing and receiving. Then it moves into action. Then it moves into believing and receiving. So right now, just wherever you are, I want you to just breathe in and breathe out. I want you to just, right now, just become aware of his presence because he is upon you. And the Bible says that as a born-again believer, he is in you and that he is pursuing us. That you don't have to come to church in order for God to see you. That he sees you in your day-to-day. He sees you in your thinking and your dreaming. He sees you in your waking. He sees you in your sleeping. 
He sees you in your insecurities. He sees you in those moments that you feel overwhelmed. <laughs> Can I have that one? Does this one work? Pretty soon, I'm just going to start from behind the keyboard. But no one wants that. Does this one work? No? Hello? Hello, hello? This, can you guys hear me? This is working? No? I'm getting, I'm getting a lot of, like, sozo faces. Like, I'm trying to power through and agree, but no. Okay. This one? This one? Okay, this is working? You guys can hear me okay? Okay, great. You guys just bless David, our sound guy, right now, because he's just working back there. All right, if for some reason I lose you, give me a caca. <laughs> That's a Jim will be back next week to clean up this mess of what I'm creating right now. You know, I feel like the Lord just doesn't want us just to be in such a hurry in life that we miss his presence. I feel like there is demand on your life. You know why? Here's the tension that we live in as Christians. Are you guys okay? This isn't in the notes. We might not get to the notes. But we live in this tension where you're, you, you are created to be loved, but you're anointed for purpose. So we live in this tension where it's like, is today like, and I'm going to exaggerate, but the, the idea is this conflict of, do I do, 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 or do I be, be, be? Or do I like be, do, be, do, be, be, do, do, be? Like, does anyone else know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one? You know, th there's this tension in the kingdom that you're actually created to be loved. You're not created to do. Really big distinction. But you are anointed for purpose. That you're not just here kind of floating around waiting to go to heaven. That you actually have a personal responsibility to release heaven on earth. And it looks like you being. This is why there's tension. It looks like us being so intimate with Jesus that we begin to have passion for purpose. We begin to have we begin to move into to the anointing of the Lord on our lives on a daily basis. And sometimes there's this tension where, you know what? Just take a breath and don't feel like you need to figure it out. Just be with the Lord for like a moment. You know, if our default is doing, we will miss the opportunities for being. So if our default, if like when you don't know what to do, like when you don't know if you're hearing the Lord or you feel kind of disconnected, so you just start doing, you're going to miss opportunities where God is just simply waiting for you to wait with him. And believe me, I wish it was different. I wish you could just do your way into the presence. How many of you feel that way sometimes? No, seriously, like, like you wish it, you know, not earning it, but like by continuing to kind of be faithful to what got you put your hands to, that you'll just run into his presence all the time. And there's an element of that that's true, but there's a really, really big part of the kingdom about intimacy with God that actually looks like being able to just take a breath sometimes, to not have it all figured out. Listen, Jesus is not afraid that your life is a little bit of a hot mess. He's, he's, not, he's not worried about that. You know, he, he's, he's, he's not worried about that. But there's something really big inside of his heart that we have an invitation to walk in. I love what Jonah, how many of you guys love Jonah? Where is he, Jonah? Jonah Epps. Yeah. You know, I love the way him and Lindsay just partnered together and worshiped there with us. Have you ever been in a worship environment where you're like, I don't know what's happening, but a lot is happening right now. 
Like that you might not be experiencing something, but you recognize that God is doing things. You know, it's those moments that we can just stop and just start to put our affection, our attention on him, and we actually begin to have the encounter that we see other people having. Does this make sense? That when we begin to honor what God's doing, he actually can't help but just fold us into the situation. So we're going to do something. That was borrowed time. Thank you. We're going to do something. But just put your hand on your neighbor right now, and I want you to just release this over them. That, that right now, in your place, right now where you are, you're being folded into the fabric of God. That you're being folded into his presence. That he's actually moving you into that greater place of his presence. That you're more like Jesus today than you were yesterday. That there is an opportunity right now in this moment for your heart to just quiet and for the spirit of God just to come and rise right now. So Lord, we just right now just say to that person on our left or right, that it's for you right now. It's for you today. Uh-oh. Okay, in Jesus' name. This cut out for a second. It wasn't uh-oh, we did, we prayed wrong. Oh, man, are the wheels still on? Are we okay? I'm okay. Are you guys okay? All right, do you want to go a step further and just to step into this? Let's do some declarations right now. You guys ready? So we believe that declarations is when we begin to partner with God through his word, and we actually have, it says in scripture that the power of life and death is in the, is in the tongue. It's, and so sometimes we try to just do that with like self-talk, but we probably don't declare the word over our lives or our situations as much as we have an invitation to do. And what we know is this, is when we declare God's word, his promises, it actually says the word of God is living and active. It actually says it divides between soul and bone and marrow. It cuts to the heart of the matter. Then when we begin to, to, to bring out the sword of the word into a situation, we begin to see God begin to break through. All right, so let's declare these. I'm just going to say some declarations. We're turning into CSSM here, and, and, and we'll, just, we'll just keep going. All right, you guys ready? All right, I set the course of my life with my words. God is on my side. Therefore, I declare that I cannot be discouraged or defeated. I am the head, not the tail. I have insight. I have wisdom. I have ideas and divine strategies. I have authority. As Abraham did, I speak God's promises over my life. My faith is being strengthened to possess all that Jesus has won for me. I have a sound mind. Today, I will think the right thoughts. I will say the right words. I will make the right decisions in every situation. Woo. Come on, Jesus. One more. I have an expectation beyond what I can even comprehend to have powerful divine appointments. There's invitation over my life for intimacy with Jesus. 
and I will heal the sick, raise the dead, prophesy life, lead people to Jesus, bring deliverance, release signs and wonders, and blessing everywhere I go. Good job. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we were just talking earlier today at, at, at pre-service uh, staff prayer about how often we tend to speak something about our lives that isn't biblical, that we begin to partner not knowing it, saying, like, I have anxiety. My family has anxiety. What we just did with our words there, we begin to do the power of life and what is in the power of the tongue. And we actually begin to partner with that spirit of death over our lives, over people and places. When we just begin to kind of partner a little bit with that stuff that's not biblical. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That maybe you've been around, maybe you've done it, maybe you're like, yeah, I've totally owned it before. The reason that God was going after stuff this morning is because he actually wants us to be set free. Like, he actually purchased the, the freedom. He, he paid the price so that we could actually walk free. It's not like there's just a menu when you're a pastor of like, hey, we're going to talk about healing today or deliverance or maybe we'll talk about like, you know, being, you know, stress-free or something. It's not this menu that we just choose. This makes sense. It's actually that God has a heart to see us set free. And then when we use our words, we're actually partnering with the enemy. When we use our words to say, I have this and I have that, you know, you might be going through an experience of something. doesn't mean it's yours, right? This isn't that you just hide something you're going through. This is to say, I'm not going to partner with that thing and make it mine. You know, sometimes... How many of you have heard of the phrases in the Christian life of, like, being in valleys or being on mountaintops? How many of you are like, I love the mountaintops? You know, we, we kind of go through these seasons in our life in God that look like valleys and mountaintops sometimes, kind of what you might hear, ebbs and flows, ups and downs. And, and there's this sense that, you know, the valley is where you survive and the mountaintop is where you thrive. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You know, that, that we have mountaintop experiences, and sometimes it feels like, like mountaintop seasons, and we have valley experiences and valley seasons. And I kind of want to talk about that today, because how many of you right now, you say that you're in a valley? Just raise your hand. You're like, yeah, I'm just in a valley right now. It doesn't mean you're in the valley of darkness. Everyone's like afraid to be like, is that okay? Yeah, you're totally okay. We spend most of our lives in the valley. Did you know that, have you, how many of you have ever been to, like, the mountains, like, like high, kind of snow peak mountaintops? We have a couple pictures here. So I will start off with the first few uh, pictures of, the, of some mountains. So beautiful, absolutely beautiful. I think that is actually Mount Baker in, in uh, the North, Northern Cascades in, in Washington. And we can go to the next one. And this one is actually the southern summit of Mount Everest. So amazing and majestic. And then the third one is actually, this is actually the peak of Everest. There's just nothing higher. You know, I love those, that mountaintop thing. You know, what, what is common in some of these images of being that, that mountaintop, summit top place? You know, one thing, these mountaintop things, you can see really far. Have you ever noticed that? 
just some simplicity of it. You actually have vision. You can see so far when you're on the mountaintop. It's beautiful. It's awe-inspiring. It captures your attention. You know, these mountaintop moments in God are meant for us to change us. They're actually meant that those mountaintop moments bring transformation in a moment. They bring a new revelation. They bring a new voice of the Lord over our lives. How many of you had those mountaintop moments with God? You know what I'm talking about. But I have news for you. You know, we're not built to actually live on the mountaintop. Everyone say boo. Because, <laughs> you know, like, who doesn't want to be on the mountaintop with God? We're going to talk about that in a moment. You know, on the mountaintop, if you've ever climbed or summited mountains, the air gets really thin. It's, it's actually hard to breathe. It's colder. Have you ever been to the mountaintop? No one's living there. Just follow me for a moment. Some of you are like, I'm, the intercessor is like, I'm nervous where you're going right now. Just, just, just follow me for a moment. Why don't you guys open up your Bibles to, uh, let's open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. We're going to read verse 2 through 8. See, we tend to, to value kind of that mountaintop moment and devalue our valley lives. This makes sense. That we tend to look at that as this is, not that, but the other thing, you know, the, the metaphor there of the mountain, as the pinnacle of why we're here and our, and our daily pursuit is just to get back to the mountaintop versus actually taking our, our assignment into the valley. Now, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Is everyone there? Mark, Mark 9, chapter, or Mark 9, uh, verse 2. It says this. Jesus said, after six days, Jesus uh, took Peter, James, and John's with, John with him and led him up to a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before him Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. You guys with me? Verse 5, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say because they were, they were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. Say, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Verse 8 says, suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Now, I love, I love this passage. I, this is in Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke. It's referenced in John. And there's something really cool about this passage. I love that Jesus takes a few of his guys and just goes right up to the mountaintop. And then all of a sudden, what happens is they see Jesus in a way they've never seen him before. Do I got to switch? It's being weird. <laughs> awesome. Woo! Might be a little hot. Little hot. So Jesus went to the mountaintop. It's actually going to get really good here in a moment. Can I speak normally? Okay. Thanks, guys. Are, we, are you guys still with me and engaged with this for a moment? Jim will be here next week. He's going to clean up the mess. On the mountaintop, they see Jesus totally different. It says that a cloud came and covered them, and enveloped them, surrounded them. 
And it says that Jesus, all of a sudden, this Jesus that they knew in the valley, all of a sudden, became blazing like lightning, became brighter than the sun, his, his clothing whiter than any bleach could bleach them. And now I love, now this should give all of us a lot of hope. I love Peter's response. Peter's like, Jesus, this is good. This is good. Elijah and Moses are there, and Peter's like, this is good, Lord. This is good. And it says in Scripture, over uh, two different passages, in Mark and in Luke, it says, Peter didn't know what he was saying. He was so overwhelmed by that moment of what he was seeing. He's like, yeah, we're good. I'm going to build houses for everybody. We're gonna, I'm going to build shelters. We're going to build houses here. We're going to live here, Jesus. This is good. This is awesome. This is what I was born for. I'm going to go build some stuff for you guys right now. This is awesome. And, and, and it's really interesting. What does the voice from heaven actually say to Peter? This is my son. Listen to him. That when we're on the, that mountaintop encounter with Jesus, it's really important that you're just simply present with the presence. That you don't just start making plans in that moment of encounter that mountaintop place, that it's in that place that we actually see Jesus differently, that we can carry into our daily lives. We can carry in. This makes sense. That, that we actually carry. Now, now Peter and, and James and John had this revelation of Jesus that the others didn't now. And I love, it says, a cloud came and enveloped them, surrounded them. That, that Moses and Elijah were coming. They were talking to Jesus. It says they were talking about his, his exit. They were talking about his, the, the crucifixion. They were talking about what Jesus was going to go do. You see, Jesus was always living within that realm of being fully loved, yet fully on assignment. And the disciples were still, man, were still trying to get a hold of who Jesus was. They, didn't, they still didn't understand that he came for that purpose. And they were still trying to get a hold of who he was. And so here's Peter and this voice came from heaven saying, this is my son, with him I am well pleased. When else did that voice come from heaven? Does that sound familiar? It actually says that Jesus' baptism in Matthew 3, that when he was baptized, the heavens were torn, the Holy Spirit descended, the mountaintop experience, the cloud comes and envelopes them, and it says that a voice came from heaven saying, this is my son, with him I am well pleased. You have to understand, where was the baptism? Where was his baptism? His baptism was in the valley. It was in the Jordan. You see, your mountaintop experience is already taking place in the valley. But we, we, it's like a veil is removed on the mountaintop and we see more clearly. You see, when Jesus came, where was Jesus born? Where was Jesus born? He was born in Bethlehem. He, he was a Nazareth. You know, one of his disciples was a racist, Nathaniel, because he's like, can anything good come from there? Do you guys remember this? Aren't you glad that Jesus can redeem anybody? I mean, really, he, Nathaniel said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? He's painting a picture for us to recognize that in our culture, we're disconnected from that reality. Nazareth was the lowest of lows. Bethlehem was not this place to be sought out. 
Are you guys still with me? I promise we're actually almost to the crescendo here. At the birth of Jesus, it's in Luke 2, 1 through 20. I'm going to paraphrase some, but we're, we're getting some traction right now, so I'm just going to read it to you guys. It says this. In the days of Caesar Augustus, uh, Caesar issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. Verse 3, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph, this is Jesus' father, uh, also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. That was Jesus. While they were still there, a time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth uh, to, her first, to her firstborn son, Jesus. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. I'm just going to read this because this is a bonus verse. I love it. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy and for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will see the baby wrapped in clothes and lying on a manger. You know, Jesus was born into the lowest of the low valleys. That he, didn't, he wasn't born on the mountaintop. He wasn't born on the mountaintop that, that, that we, we would see the Magi, the wise men, kind of is a traditional way that we might hear the nativity story told, who come with the gifts, and the shepherd who's out in the fields, the shepherd who is the king of the low place, and the Magi who are kings of the high place. They all come to Jesus, and they didn't have to pursue him to a mountaintop. They actually came to the valley where he was. You see, in the Old Testament, are you guys still with me? In the Old Testament, it went like this. You guys remember the story in Exodus 33? I'm not going to read it. Moses goes to the mountaintop to get the word of the Lord. I'm paraphrasing, skipping a lot of generations here. He goes to the mountaintop, gets the word of the Lord written on scrolls, or written on uh, tablets, comes down with those tablets, and unfortunately, he comes into the valley, and everything's a mess. They made a golden calf. They just totally turned their back on, on the Lord. After 40 years, now it's 40 days, and you know everyone's just doing their own thing. And it's this picture of God coming down from the mountaintop into the valley, but you have to go catch him on the mountain. You have, to, you have to ascend. You have to catch him on the mountaintop in order to encounter him. That's the picture set for us in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus actually comes and says, I'm actually going to be birthed in the valley. That, that, that man does not have to try to ascend this hill of order, of earning, this hill, does this make sense? That actually I will come and visit and be with him, and his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. That he chose the lowest of the low place to come and be born. And it says this, it says, you know, have you ever found this to be the case that sometimes you're just, you're like, man, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm doing what I know to do to the best of my ability. I'm praying. I'm, I'm like doing this, doing everything. I'm spending time with Jesus. Like, and, and sometimes you're like, I really hope I'm like centered in God's will. I mean, have you, whoever had that thought? Maybe it doesn't drive you and wake you every day. It's not very motivational. You're like, yeah, I just don't know if I'm doing it right, you know. But, but just that, that sense of, you know, I'm, I'm going to go, David, um, Joseph is going to go back to Bethlehem because there is a census. Did you know that it says this in Micah 2? Beth, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, you're the smallest of the, of the clans. Out of you will come for me the one who will rule Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient of days. 
You see, Joseph just thought he was like doing what he was like being told to do. He, in doing it, he was actually fulfilling scripture. Does this make sense? That in our valleys, in those places in your life, actually God has already ordered your steps. And he will establish them as we just begin to have that revelation that he's actually in the valley with you. Am I hitting this point clearly? That he's actually in the valley with us. That your day today, the thing that feels like, oh my goodness, like, I just can't wait till this season is over. Jesus actually wants to meet you in that place. That he is Lord of the valley. And finally, I'm going to share this passage and wrap it all together. You guys, you guys are doing good? Oh, we're doing great. Doing great. You know, there are a couple pictures of valleys, and then there's mountaintops. But throughout Scripture with Jesus, there's also mountainsides. And this is what would happen with Jesus, is that it says that in the mornings, he would go, as was his custom, his practice, his, his, his routine, that he would actually wake up before the other disciples and go to a mountainside to pray. He wouldn't go to the mountaintop to pray. He would go to the mountainside to pray. Some versions would say he would go to the hills to pray. You know, and, and it was out of that place of Jesus going to that mountainside, it's a picture of God waiting for us to wait with him. It's a picture of us having space in our life. It, it, do you have mountainside space in your life? Do you have that mountainside place in your life that you get to meet with the Lord in the mornings, that you can soak in his presence for the assignment in the valley? For, this makes sense, it says this in, uh, I think Matthew, I lost the reference. It's in the Bible. It says this. Now, the, remember when Jesus fed the multitudes? Okay. He regularly was on the mountainside. As soon as the people were fed, Jesus told the disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side of the lake while he stayed behind to dismiss the people. So there's, they, they estimate between uh, about 20,000 people that he fed, 5,000 men plus their women and children. So about 20,000 people he fed. It's a lot of people. So he had to wait there. He told the disciples, go ahead. I'm going to take, I'm going to dismiss everybody, but you guys go ahead of me. After the crowds dispersed, verse 23, Jesus went up into the hills to pray, went up to the mountainside to pray. And as night fell, he was there praying alone with God. But the disciples, who were now in the middle of the lake, ran into trouble. For their boat was tossed about by the high winds and heavy seas. About four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them, walking on the waves. When the disciples saw him walking on top of the water, they were terrified and screamed, It's a ghost! Then Jesus said, Be brave and do not be afraid. I am here. Peter shouted, Lord, if it's really you, then have me join you on the water. Come and join me, Jesus said. So Peter stopped, stepped out of the water and began to walk towards Jesus. But when he realized how high the waves were, he became frightened and started to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried out. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up and said, What little faith you have, why would you let doubt win? This is the Passion Translation. And the very moment they both stepped onto, into the boat, the raging wind ceased. Then all the disciples crouched down before him and worshiped Jesus. They said in adoration, you truly are the son of God. 
Jesus said, go ahead. I want you guys to go across. I'm going to go to the mountainside because you're not ready yet. In fact, later on when Jesus went to Jerusalem to fulfill his, his, his assignment to go to the cross, do you guys remember this? It says that he was on in the garden, on a hill in the garden praying, and his disciples came to pray with him, and they all fell asleep. Do you remember this? So they weren't even ready for, so they weren't ready yet. So Jesus is like, listen, I know in, even a, in, in, a, in a number of months you're going to fall asleep, so why don't you guys just go ahead of me now? Sends him in the boat. Goes ahead. See, it's out of that place of that mountainside that he walks on water. Does this make sense? I, I hope I'm connecting the dots. That that space in God actually prepared him for everything that he, it was his assignment. And he walks on the water and you know, the disciples still have no idea, like, You're, it's a ghost. Now, this is the same Peter that's seeing Jesus fully transfigured. It's a ghost. Who is that? Let me ask you this. Does your Jesus walk on water? Or does he only stay on land? When he sends you on assignment, will he be with you? Or do you believe he will wait behind? Just, just follow the analogy for a moment. And they, they come out, Jesus comes out and walks up to them, and they're terrified. The waves are crashing. They went out on assignment from the Lord, and things got, they got in trouble. How many of you can relate? They went out on assignment. There was no disobedience, but all of a sudden, the environment felt like it was messed up. Just makes sense. There was, they, they were fully obedient, and yet there were waves all around. And then Jesus comes up, and some, some pastors actually say Jesus intended to walk by them. I think it was a, how many of you are glad he doesn't always walk by? Like, that he comes, you know, I think it was meant to be a test for them. But they saw him and cried out, and he couldn't help but meet them in it. Are you guys still with me? Peter then says, if that's you, mighty declaration of faith, call me out on the water. I want to join you out there. And Jesus says, come join me. Peter gets out of the boat. Now, listen, he's already on assignment, and now he gets out of the boat. Just because you're on assignment doesn't mean there's not a place that God's actually calling you deeper still. He gets out of the boat. He's already on assignment, fully obedient. And he gets out of the boat. And then Jesus, he began, he's like walking on water. He's like hanging out with Jesus on the water. He's walking towards him. And then what does it say? This is the part that I think a lot of us relate to really easily. It says this. It says, he, begun, he begins to sink. Why did he begin to sink? Because of that environment, the waves, the turbulence. He started to look and become aware of the situation. And in doing so, he actually began to sink. And then Jesus says, it wasn't because you looked at the waves, he says it was actually because in your faith began to sink and you began to sink. The environment around you began to grab your attention more than me and in doing so, you began to sink, even though you were perfectly aligned on assignment and obedient. Does this make sense? You see, they did not live a lifestyle yet of that mountainside life. The disciples, they didn't learn that yet. They, were, they, didn't, they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit yet. And then it turns out after they were filled in the, in the book of Acts, you see them praying outside of the gate called beautiful. You see them finding those mountainsides, and then their shadow starts to heal the sick. Does this make sense? 
You know, the mountaintop is where we need to be present with the presence of the Lord. That you don't know when your mountaintop moment is coming. How many of you have been surprised by how God has showed up for your life before? That you will actually bump into that mountainside moment. And when we're in that place, don't, we don't have to be like Peter, like, this is good, Jesus. <laughs> you know, I'm going to live here forever. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. That's a moment of revelation, of an encounter for you to give, us a, to give you a greater awareness of who Jesus is. Whatever he's speaking to you in that moment, whatever he's revealing to you, we have to be present with the presence in those mountaintop moments. And we also have to realize that the mountainside is where God is waiting for us to wait with him. Those mountainside moments, those mountainside routines, God is actually waiting for us there for the assignment. And in the valleys, he is in the valley. You see, he is in the valley. He came, was birthed out of the lowest place, that he would be the Messiah for the lowest of men and the highest of kings. That it's in our valleys is where we actually become more and more like Jesus, where we begin to meet with him because he's actually there in our valleys waiting for us. So I want to do this. If you're in a place that you're like, wow, I have felt like alone in my valley, that I have felt, I've just felt alone in a valley, it may not be a valley of darkness, or it, it might feel that way. If you have felt alone in a valley, I believe the Lord wants to come and meet you specifically today. So if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to be vulnerable and just stand up. We all go through those different seasons where you're in a valley, and you might even feel alone in your valley. I'm just going to ask you just for some boldness right now. If you would, just stand up for a moment. We're, no one's going to embarrass you. I mean, I'm standing, I, you know, so you, know, you can just join me. But you, you, you're in a valley, and you're, you, you just have that sense of like, man, I don't know where God has been in the valley. I, I want to prophesy over you for a moment. Is that this, the way that Joseph did not know he was fulfilling scripture, you're walking rightly in the valley. The way that Joseph didn't know that he was actually fulfilling scripture to go to Bethlehem, he just thought he was doing what he knew to do. You are fulfilling your purpose even in your valley. And all across the room, if you're around them, just put your hand on their shoulder. Just go ahead and, and stretch out your hands. We just declare and prophesy over you that Jesus is in the valley, that Jesus is Lord over your valley, that there's not a break of intimacy, that that's a lie from the devil, that Jesus is in your valley, and that there is a supernatural strength right now coming upon you and awakening your heart, awake awakening your heart to his presence, awakening your heart to his love, and you have no shame. We break off any shame of feeling like, man, I'm like out in the valley and I should be on the mountaintop. We just release over you that you are on assignment in the valley. We say that you have intimacy in the valley. We say that the fires, you burn fire in the valley, not the mountaintop, that this is your moment where God just puts fuel on that fire. So Father, we thank you right now, Lord, for breaking off a dis that, that, that lie of disconnection to you. Jesus, thank you for just releasing your, your joy and your hope in the valley, God. We thank you, Lord, that you, you raise up giant killers because the giants are in the valley, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, for these giant killers, God. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in your life. Thank you for bringing just a fresh alignment and a fresh intimacy with you right now, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. 
We thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. In Jesus' name, awesome. Amen. All right, why don't we all stand? So what I want to do is this, is some of you, you might hear a message like this and feel disconnected from it until you need it. Does that make sense? And I feel like there are people here today that a lot of us, we need this because something is about to occur where we need to know how to handle the mountaintop or the valley or develop that mountainside. And so right now, just put your hand on your heart, and I want you to just say this to the Lord in your own words. You don't have to repeat after me or anything, but Jesus, I receive everything that you are releasing to me today, God, through worship and through the message, God, and, and through my time with you, that today, Lord, I thank you that, that we carry a mountaintop experience into our valleys, that we can bump into you in our valley, God. I thank you, Lord, right now for just meeting us in that place of prayer. I thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself to us, Lord, in our time of need. I thank you, Jesus, that we have, we have reason for great joy and great hope, even in the valley that feels like I don't see any of that, that you are there with us, God. So Holy Spirit, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, for being Emmanuel, God, with us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, amen, amen. I'm going to invite our ministry teams to come forward. If you're here this morning and you want, uh, you want prayer, you've never maybe had someone prophesy over you, or maybe it's been a minute, it's been a long time, let our teams pray over you. They, they have been trained, and um, they will prophesy, and they will pull out the gold in your life. We're not up here looking for things that aren't right. We're going to call out who God says you are. And if you need physical healing, I love those testimonies that uh, Cheryl was sharing. Come forward. Let our teams pray for you. Uh, CSSM starts next next Sunday night. It's going to be amazing. If you haven't joined, join. Uh, we have a lot of people who are, uh, who are already uh, registering and getting a flood of registration. So do you got anything else? Oh, right. If you're, if you're newer, if you're new here today, we're going to give you a fast pass to get ministry. It's like Disneyland where you get the fast pass and go to the front. Uh, and so if you're new, if you're new today and you want ministry, just come stand right over here. Emily's going to raise her hand. You can stand right there and everyone else will stand right here and both will have uh, gatekeepers to kind of let you guys go forward. So if you're new, go ahead and stand over with Emily. We're going to give you guys a fast pass to get ministry. Bless you guys. We'll see you next week with Steve Backland and, uh, Jim Baker will be back as well. Bless you guys.